What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me today is the man who finally had to put his camp trailer to bed for the season, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. Oh, I, I know, and I don't think I put it to bed like I should have. I should have covered it, but I didn't have a cover for it. But, you know, we bought that in January, and I think I visited that trailer at least once every other week just to sit and... I think pet it like it's a pet. <laughs> like, I love you so much, trailer. You you help us get away and, and recover and retreat. So that we've used it since we got it, I think, nine times. So like nine out of the 11 months that we've had it, we have used it that many times. That's incre- incredible. It's been a fun time to be able to have this trailer, to be able to camp with the kids. We've done some great trips to the mountains, to the beach to interior Washington to visit our other daughter. Mm -hmm. We've put some miles on it. Now, we did not get a new one because this was going to be our first experience having a travel trailer. So it was kind of our way to test the waters because if it turned out that I really did not like camping, we feel like we weren't out an excessive amount of money because Mm -hmm. we didn't spend too much. But now that we've gone a few times, even though some of the best trips have been those short weekenders, just you know, 15, 20 minutes away. We're close by. We're familiar with all of our surroundings, but somehow getting away, being able to go out and have some good food, to be quiet in the trailer together, to do some reading, it was really a relaxing time. But almost, I wouldn't say every time, but there were quite a few times I would say that when we were leading up to the trip where I've had just really busy weeks or you've had really busy times during the week at work, that the idea of packing up and then going away, you just thought, boy, all I want to do is just stay home. Mm -hmm. And it was some work to get it started. And every single time, once we landed where we were going, it was a fantastic weekend. A lot of times we're unexpected. Those, those are kind of the unexpected graces. Right. No, it's, it's definitely, we, we've swallowed the bait hook, line, and sinker, as they say, for travel trailers. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there. But, but they have been, for me, these mini retreats for, like you said, we, just sitting quietly together, having a cup of coffee, we have an opportunity just to be in, in one another's presence. And I think that's great because we, we haven't had much of that in our entire 32 years of existence, being just by ourselves to be able to just be because we're always juggling kids or juggling yeah. the diaconate that I have responsibility for and that you share in. So yeah, anyhow, it's great when we get a, get a chance to get away. It's a blessing from God. Well, definitely come springtime, we will be getting it out, getting it spring cleaned and then ready to head out on some great adventures. Just this week, Scott, on the Morning Blend, we got a chance to talk about some big news. Now we are, I think prayerfully looking at the light at the end of the tunnel with regards to COVID. The models are showing that we should be continuing this decline and that really by next year, hopefully early next year, well, life will start to look normal again. And looking at that, the Archbishop of Seattle, whose diocese we fall under because we live in Vancouver, even though we we produce the show here in Portland, well, we are heading back to church. Archbishop Aitchen has reinstated the obligation 
to return to Mass, and he picked a really special day for us to all come back. Isn't that fantastic? I know. that's um, And so it, it highlights for our, our archdiocese, particularly that day that sometimes gets overlooked by a lot of Catholics, unfortunately, but it's a beautiful day of the Immaculate Conception. Yep. So December 8th, the uh, faithful in the Archdiocese of Seattle will be returning back to church. That obligation. After how many months? In the article and in the announcement from the Archdiocese office, he said it had been 20 months, 20 months ago. That is just an incredible amount of time that they put that dispensation in. So many people reverted to watching Mass on uh, television. And looking back at that, I remember how that felt because they recognized that you were, they made arrangements so that way, very initially, that the priest, a deacon, and really a skeleton number of people were allowed back into churches to begin that live stream. So here we were, me and the kids watching at home on TV while you were at church. And I must say the longing and may almost kind of a hurt of not being able to be in church, of not being able to receive communion. It was a lot. Mm. And uh, it was a struggle for us. But as time went on, we recognized the, the gratitude we had of technology to be able to at least watch it. And then by, I think it was perhaps May or June when we started to allow people back. This was, of course, 2020 in some form to be able to receive. And now, boy, we are all coming back. Well, similarly, as clergy on the altar, it was just surreal. Surreal to see the pews empty and doing doing this. So it's great. And I know that uh, the priests are and the deacons are so happy to see people back, coming back, and the gratitude they have in being back is phenomenal and and blessed. For sure. Well, as a family, we have been going to church in the pews, even though there was the dispensation, because we all recognize that the church is doing everything that they can to ensure that we don't have the COVID outbreaks. And, well, those measures have worked. So, We are also very much looking forward to that time when I think there were many people that we haven't seen in a long time. Well, that leads us into today's show because we're going to part a little bit from our typical show because we don't have a guest today, but we are going to talk about some parenting styles and some parenting styles that in fact kind of not ensure, but seems to be a better way of parenting that ensure children will continue to practice their faith. So I have this article, Scott, and coming up after the break, we are going to talk about some of these parenting styles and how they work to ensure children, well, they remain in the faith. And it just brings to mind the family that prays together, stays together. And if that's not an outcome of COVID, I don't know what is, because so many families have talked about that, sitting down at table, praying over their food, and then being together is a tremendous blessing. So yeah, we want to express how does that get echoed in our style of teaching. So we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Good to see you. Good to see you again. Good to see your face again. Good to see you. 
I've heard that once a horse is successfully trained, the first time it submits to its rider, it runs like never before and never again. It's like a lifetime of raw energy and passion is finally directed, and it shoots like a bolt of lightning across the plain. That's freedom. That's power. We don't find that by doing whatever we want. We find it by submitting our hearts to a higher cause, by living with discipline, fighting for virtue, choosing humility. None of that crushes our passion and potential. It directs them. Whether you're perfecting a sport, a musical instrument, a science, a skill with your hands, or whatever dream God's planted in you, at the end of the day, perfecting our craft is about perfecting ourselves. That's why events like the Olympics and other sports are so inspiring to watch. That's what competition is all about. It's what the spiritual life is about too. Not about accomplishing all we can do, but becoming all we can be. How are you perfecting yourself today? This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Mater Dei Radio is here to elevate your spiritual life with our new Hail Mary media app. It's the perfect way to plug into the truth, beauty, and joy of our Catholic faith. And it's so easy to get started. Simply search Hail Mary media in the app store or go to materdayradio.com and follow the instructions. In just minutes, you'll be able to access our exclusive audio, video, and text prayer library. Plus set a customized schedule of your prayer reminders. The Hail Mary media app also lets you tune in to the live broadcast of Mater Dei Radio and download podcasts of all our original programming, including shows not available on the radio. Plus, you can explore our Catholic lifestyle features, local events on the community calendar, news from the Catholic Sentinel, and much, much more. Get it right now and elevate your spiritual life with the new Hail Mary Media app from Mater Dei Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Scott and Brenda Aiken with their View from the Pew on Mater Dei Radio. Scott, so no guests today. We are the so-called experts. I pulled up this article and I found it on alatea.org and they had an interview, an article about a couple of people who did a recent research. Now here's what it was. Amy Adamzik and Christian Smith, are, he is a sociologist at the University of Notre Dame. She's a professor of sociology. And they took a look at the different parenting styles and which one of those really kind of had the most success in keeping kids practicing their faith. So I thought on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about some of those styles and what one style in particular has, some of their characteristics, and if any of those kind of fits the way that you and I have managed to parent some children. So looking at these different parenting styles, and I think we have an idea of each one of them. They talked about authoritarian, authoritative, permissive, and the less engaged. So looking at those. So authoritarian, I kind of feel like people of a certain age, and we are probably maybe products a little bit of that. Our parents Mm -hmm. definitely were Mm -hmm. the authoritarian which is basically what I say goes and it seemed to work for a time. Right. Right. And, and I think even the church had that very much follow the rules, stick in the obedience. And it has to be something that at least includes the mind of the individual that's being asked to be obedient. And when you're just, just the comparable of when we're parenting, the church has to go through that too, Hmm. that 
that we as parents have to invite the child into understanding why we're doing this. And if we're just being authoritarian, we're not bothering with necessarily telling them the why. But at the same time, you don't want to go to the deep to the deep end of that and, and go through an explanation each and every time. So there's this balance. But that authoritarian, yeah, you're right. We're we're maybe products of that. And uh, and how have we evolved from that to what we raise our kids with? Exactly. Now, for you and I, looking at this list, I think we definitely fall into what is considered an authoritative style of parenting. Mm-hmm. And I think parenting styles definitely change because of the time we live in. You know, our parents didn't have to deal with what we were looking at on the internet. Well, we have to be. We have to be engaged. We have to know what our children are exposed to. And then we have to learn how to navigate through that. So I think definitely you and I and maybe more people our age group, well, they're looking at that. And hopefully more people are falling into that authoritative. Of course, there is also that permissive parent. Now we all know that person who just has an inability to say no. And it's not just in their parenting style, it's in all areas of their life. And when it comes to their children, well, maybe they kind of look at it more of, well, I, I, I want them to like me. Maybe that's why they do that. They always say yes to things. As parents, we want our kids to love us, but I think there's that innate tendency to want them to like us too. And that's, a, I think, a challenge, a struggle that every parent goes through because there's sometimes in, in not, not uncommon with regard to practicing the faith when there's so much distraction in the world mm. that you, you have to take a harder stance and say, here's the boundary. Now, I can explain the boundary to you, but the boundary is not going to move for your benefit in the way that you would like. But <laughs> that is that's the difference between a permissive versus an authoritative. There is an authority that we follow as parents and authority that we're encouraging and, and guiding you to follow. Now, when you move out of the house, which we're dealing with now, our kids have the freedom now as young adults to go on their own, right? Absolutely. But if they've been given that foundation of the why, the authoritative understanding is why the authority, they're, they're less apt to throw it out. In fact, the name of the book, Scott, it's called Handing Down the Faith, How Parents Pass Their Religion On to the next generation. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating book. I'm looking forward to reading the whole thing. But the the fourth parenting style they outline, the less engaged. Boy, and we really know the trouble that children go through when they have parents who are not engaged. And for certain, who is engaged? Society, capitalistic society, the view of the need to have and attain. That's what society teaches kids if we're not there to give some balance and rebuttal to that. Mm. So less engaged means you are going to hand potentially inadvertently maybe your child off to a whole host of of influences on the outside world and society who want to give an authoritative, authoritarian, a permissive challenge. And and if the child has nothing else to turn to, that's the unfortunate reality if 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 there's a less engaged parent. Right. Well, again, looking at all of these four different parenting styles, it would seem then quite obvious. And this study has shown that, in fact, the authoritative parenting style is the one that is showing that children are remaining within their faith. So here are some of the more characteristics, and we'll go through each one of these, and we can kind of see how that led into uh, 
our ability to raise our own children and maybe some of the areas where we didn't quite meet up to where we needed to be. So first of all, they found that the authoritative parent sets clear boundaries and expectations. You know, talking about in the open of the show about returning to mass, right? Well, setting boundaries and expectations. Well, in the Archdiocese of Seattle, the obligation to attend mass and receive the Eucharist is being put back into place on December 8th. Well, you've got to set boundaries and you have to have expectations. So mm-hmm. with your chi- with our children, we have an expectation that they will join us for a church. If they are under our roof, no matter what age they are, they come to mass with us on Sunday. That's the boundary and that is expectation. And I think for the most part, yeah, we've gotten there with them. Yeah, and even though it might be a lift to to get all of the kids, and we had all four kids, Ooh. you know, how challenging that was to get them in the van and get the van all squared away and get, get to the church. But, you know, you started in discussing our value of our trailer and how when we get ready to go on a, on a trip in our trailer for the weekend, there's kind of this reticence to, gosh, I got to prepare to get everything in there so we can go. But once we go there's the blessing of being there. Mm-hmm. I think church is absolutely intended to be and can be that way. Yes, there's a lot of upfront work that we have to do as family, getting everyone together. But when we're there, the blessing we receive is countless. Uh, but that requires an awareness, an awareness of the of the parents first and foremost to convey that to their kids in, the, in, in a way that helps them to understand it. So I've seen some parents at, at our mass that just give a great attention to what's going on and the why of it. And the kids will, they want to know that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the, the engaged component of, I think, an authoritative parent. Again, that's only four letters different from authoritarian, right? Exactly. But authoritative means you root it in an authority. You are not acting as an independent authority. Yeah. And no doubt there were those weekends, Scott, and, and you remember them well too, I'm sure, where we find that you just spent almost the entirety of mass walking around the back of church with an unruly child, a cranky child. Maybe they, you know, they need, it was time for their nap if it was a later mass. And you wonder why, why are we going through this? Mm. Well, that's because it's important. And the children, you know, even though this week, maybe you didn't make it through, you know, but five minutes, well, come back next week. Maybe you'll make 10 minutes. And then as the weeks and months and even years go by, well, you find that, yeah, you can get through the whole mass and everybody's there, you know, hopefully and prayerfully in good, good form and ready to, uh, to pray the mass. What I'm, what I'm grateful for is that my parents, and I think your parents did the same, taught us faith is realized through persistence. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything that underpins any notion of faith, it's a matter of continuing in the hope of receiving the blessing. Now, receiving the blessing isn't wealth, isn't position as society. It's receiving God's fulfillment in the moment and in the moments to come beyond that. That's the efficacious aspect of receiving the sacraments and receiving the Eucharist at Mass. So how do you convey that to a kid? You've got to consistently be there and be persistent in your own way of making sure you're teaching them, not telling them. Mm. What What a fine line. Absolutely. Well, the next quality of an authoritative parent they talk about in the book is that those parents convey love, they convey warmth, and they convey respect. 
I mean, there is a lot there. But looking at these things, and I'd like to think that there is a warmth and love within our household, because I think it definitely shows in the fact that our kids' friends, they want to come over Mm. because there is something I, I think that they see that's wonderful and fun and loving and warm about being in our home. I think it's the scent of the Holy Spirit. I mean, as Pope Francis will will attest to so often in his uh, speaking, that a home that has that blessing is an attraction to people, whether they're of the faith or not. There's something there that they can't maybe quite put their finger on, but they want to be a part of it. And and that's good reflection for us to know that this is worth the work we've done. Because so, you're right. Sometimes you get there and you're like, why am I doing this? Right. <laughs> I feel like I'm hitting my head against the wall. But but continue, even though it might feel that way, again, based on the the understanding of the authority, it's a, it's a value. And our parents, I think, gave us a great understanding of the authorities by which we operate within our faith and the why. And yet, I think we go even more than our parents did in pouring out even a deeper love, which I think they want they wanted for mm-hmm. us. But you know, like you said, the, the difference in, in era, um, we're very demonstrative to our to our kids. My my folks coming out of out of the depression and World War II and the family upbringing that they had weren't quite as demonstrative, meaning meaning showing affection, uh, hugging on a regular basis. Um, but that's I think what they want for us to do to our kids, and and we've been doing that. So oh for sure. Now where I do find that I fall a little bit short is this idea of respect, and it's not that I don't respect my children, but there there does come that time where you know, even with this, you know, raising teenagers, they get these ideas and there just comes a time where you have got to shut it down and just think <laughs> what, you know, we, we got to stop this. We got to stop this. And before it gets, I guess the respect comes in is that you try to shut it down, not because you're disrespecting them, but because you don't want to move into a place with your children that becomes very disrespectful on both ends. So right. sometimes again, that's maybe part of that boundary setting going, look, I know you have this thought, but this is this is how it is. It's going to be. I love you, and I don't want to go farther in this because yeah, we're getting heated here. It happens in every family. The third component is authoritative parents listen and learn. <laughs> oh. And the listening and learning is all about the parent, even though they're the parent and they are, quote unquote, the authority in the house, they still have to be humble enough to realize God speaks through our kids just as much and maybe more even eloquently than he will through an adult that we might respect because there's a, there's an opportunity in the family to learn who and how God is, who God is and how God loves. Oh, that's right. I just was laughing. I told somebody just today, I said, thank goodness our children did not come out at the age they are now because we have managed to learn so much. You think about what we knew that first moment and it's etched in our minds that they gave us our daughter at the hospital mm. and i remember going home thinking they just let us leave with her <laughs> they just said there you go here's your human you think about how much effort you went into getting your driver's license right mm. well here they gave you a whole life right and they said have fun you got 18 years with this for sure and and then versus what it was like when we had Four children. And when we had four children, the ages were seven, three, two, and a newborn. I mean, things got wild at times just because of all of their needs. And we think, 
Wow. It was so much work to have one child. We had no idea. That was a walk in the park for sure. But we learned, you know, and it took time. We had to listen to each other, listen to ourselves, but also listen to our kids. And boy, it's amazing how quickly we learned what a cry meant, right? That's a cry of uncomfortable. That's a cry of I'm hungry, or that's a cry of, well, I'm just feeling kind of cranky. So right. those are those things that, again, thank goodness, you know, we, we were able to learn. The fourth one is authoritative parents walk the talk. And yeah, that's, I mean, we're, we're seeing that with our kids now as they're young adults and our oldest is married, how important it was and continues to be for us to walk the talk because they're going to be doing what we just did in raising them. They're going to be raising their kids. Um, the walk, the talk is basically being authentic. Mm -hmm. The authentic voice, when the authentic voice is used, meaning that it's rooted in our faith and trust in the Holy Spirit, it is powerful, not because we're speaking it, but because we have given in humility to God's presence. We have to walk the talk, even when we don't feel like walking the talk. And I think that's the For persistence sure. of faith. And, you know, I think, Scott, they've also seen us do that just within our own marriage. I think and I pray that we have been good models of what it takes to be married a long time. And they were, of course, witness in the house when things were not going right, even between us. If we had a disagreement and if we had a big disagreement on something, boy, sometimes it would get heated in the house. I think they also saw we stayed engaged in it and we, they saw us work through problems and hopefully learn some problem solving skills on their own. And then lastly, the authoritative parent, well, they take responsibility. Boy, I cannot tell you how many times you have told the kids that you have got to take responsibility and show up, right? Mm. You cannot drop the ball. And that's, I think part of taking responsibility. Boy, the faith, is our responsibility to pass it on. Their responsibility, well, is to, to follow us. And then once they get old enough, it's their responsibility to take what they've learned and really hold that faith to be their own. Exactly, exactly. Making it their own is is key. And, and I, I've said this so often to parents who struggle with confirmation and they're, they're like, I've got to get my kid confirmed. No, that is the first moment in the faith experience when a parent and a child for the parent to say, God, I am scared to trust that my child will continue with this faith, but I have to give them that respect and I have to get, take responsibility that what I've given them is enough to start them on this journey of owning this faith, which we as parents walking the talk have owned, but we can't be certain our kids are going to own it. Mm -hmm. They have to do that independently. And that's constantly God's entire lived experience with us is trusting that people will follow him. Absolutely. And then lastly, Scott, and you and I know that the, these steps that they talk about here, this is not a magic wand. It's not one, two, three, four, you do all of these things and your children will remain in the faith. You know, children will have their own faith. Christ himself came to the earth. He didn't convert the whole world, right? And as parents, we are only called to do the best that we can. And of course, children are going to make up their decisions. But if your child perhaps didn't remain in the faith, well, we, along with you, will continue to pray for all of your intentions. Scott, before we go today, will you end us in prayer? Lord, we thank you for the gift of your family, your 
adoptive father and your mother who have given us the model for how to raise a child in the faith and you give them such certainty in that action. And so we trust in that certainty in our own action and responsibility as parents to raise our kids to the best of our ability, trusting in you that you will give us what we need in our time of need. We put all this to you, Lord, in your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. God bless. Have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.